All right, here we go with part four. You like that little carnival sound in the background? I found that and put that on. I thought it might be a little kind of add to the show. I don't know, you know. The only thing I would have done different with this, I really liked it, but I think I would have did a little different as I might have brought Patrick in or my friend Christina. Apparently she couldn't get her mic working. I would have got Christina in here. It would have been nice to hear a woman's perspective on a lot of this stuff. You know, that would have been great, but unfortunately Christina had problems with her mic, so she couldn't get on. But that's okay. You know, we'll get her on next time. She's a really pretty voice. Um, other than that, you know, it's kind of nice. And like I said, go to Max's site, you know, midwaymarketplace.com. You know, take a look in there. See uh, see what you would get. You know, and let me know. Call me. 414-666-1926. Let me know. Would you get the Ferris wheel? Would you get the train? Would you get the carousel? You know, what route would you get? If it was up to me, I think Max called me out on it. I would have got the train. The uh, Casey Jones train was pretty cool. Actually, there's like three trains in there that are just... Uh, I would I would do the train thing so, so well. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. That's what I would do. I would do the train. You know, a big old piece of land with the train going all around. Hopefully it's steam-powered. I don't know how to run a steam-powered anything, but... I would sure learn how to do it for something like that. It just sounds like it'd be fun. Anyway, I'm getting ready to uh, hear Mr. Jeremiah chip in, so... Alright, let's get on with the show. Checking cities off his list Sharing stories of the road Right here on his station You are listening to the Kingfish Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right here. You know, we never put anybody in danger, not us or the other people on the road or the people that came to the Midway. But we didn't win a lot of style points. We just, you know, found our way to get from this week to next week and to the week after next. Uh, but, you know, those are some of those experiences like, and later on in life, my dad would finally admit to me, he'd go, you know, I feel like whenever I go some, somewhere with you, I got a better chance of getting where I'm going. He said, because I think most cops would be, were, are not going to be in a hurry to, to put a blind guy in jail with me. So, <laughs> you know, well, you know, everybody, ha everybody has to have a role. You know, my role was, um, was massaging his neck and cracking his knuckles and trying trying to stay awake so I could keep him awake and listening to him when he wanted to talk and being quiet when he didn't. So my and and of course if I was riding with him, then somebody else that you know that would probably talk more wasn't riding with him. So I was doing my job, and 
we probably drove more than a million miles over the years together. And I got to learn a lot of important lessons from him and got to hear a lot of good stories. Uh, we listened to a lot of old country music going up and down the road. And, you know, I, I probably would be a lot farther along, along at what I'm doing now if, if I had accepted the business being gone sooner than I did, or if I hadn't spent so much time traveling around the country with a carnival, but you know, I learned a lot. I had a lot of great experiences. And, and one of these days I'm going to write more about some of those days. Uh, and who knows, maybe I'll get lucky and I won't get nobody arrested in the process. Well, it's been over seven years, Max, you're safe. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's over seven years, you can say what you want. Just re just replace uh, New Mexico with Texas or Texas with New uh, uh, I mean but we you know it was it was enjoyable being around being around him because he he would he would find things that were funny when nobody else did you know and, uh, and he was uh, he was very he was very determined to get open or to do the next thing you know, one of the things that I always wondered about him, though, is uh, and and who knows, maybe it maybe it helped me a little when you know I was was working on my uncle's midway and really wasn't happy there and decided instead of say instead of staying because I was supposed to stay, decided to start doing something different. In the uh, you in the in the mid in the early eighties, we were set up on a shopping center in Houston for like three or four weeks. With my with several other people's rides and games, just trying to kill time till we had an event coming up, and somehow, my dad and my mom, uh, well, got. Now this was this was like the latest example. Uh, a couple of years before, my dad got introduced to a fellow in North Carolina named Earl Ormsby, who used to be known as the King of the B Movie, and through one of his family members in the Carolinas, he was he ended up being having a small part in a couple of movies. Uh, the lit, the Buckstone County prison, dark Sunday, the last game and the fourth one, which didn't get released until recently because of a legal problem was living legend about Elvis Presley, where he played, uh, where he played one of the bodyguards, uh, red, red Parker or red something. Uh, so he had been in a couple of movies and that summer we're sitting there doing nothing. Him and my mom got, uh, jobs as extras on the filming of Urban Cowboy. The, you know, big time movie with uh, uh, John Travolta. the guy who John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. And they were extras. They were getting paid 35 bucks a day a piece plus all they could eat to basically just hang out in this bar uh, to do some of the be like, you know, the, the dancers off to the side and in the back. And they were there for a couple weeks. And my dad told me that the people in charge of the movie were really impressed with him and my mom, and they actually wanted to, to use them more in the rest of the filming of the movie. But my dad told him, you know, we're through here. We've got to go to the next town. I'm sorry, we're going to have to quit. And he said they got really mad at him. They had to reshoot some of the scenes because they weren't there. And I always wonder, you know, what if he had decided to finish the filming of that movie and be willing to accept that maybe being a carnival owner wasn't his end destiny, what would have happened? And, you know, so I'm wondering, I sometimes wonder if, you know, if seeing where he didn't do that, maybe, maybe helped me 
do something because if I had wanted to, I could have. We could have continued working with my, on my uncle's carnival mid. We wouldn't. Be, we wouldn't have made much money. We wouldn't have enjoyed ourselves much. But we could have kept doing what we were used to doing instead of me starting a website that I had no clue what I was doing, and then eventually being an author and a speaker and this other stuff. But if you ever watched the movie Urban Cowboy, the there's a scene after the wedding where outside of the church there's a purple Ford Fairlane. And that was our car at the time. So that's funny. It's funny you brought up that movie because literally this week, uh, you know, Amazon Prime just added that that movie back to its lineup. And I added it because I wanted to watch it again because it had been so long. I wanted to see if it had aged well. And that movie, when I first saw it, I saw it in the drive in movie theater as a kid. Yeah. So that's kind of funny. I, I just think that's a, I, in fact, I was just looking at it last night. Because the wife was uh, at her brother's house, and I was thinking about watching it, but I watched something else, and I was like, "Oh well, uh, you know, I'll watch that." But I watched the this week. I watched ironic this week earlier this week. I wanted to see the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie, and I had ordered that, and that came on disc, and so I watched that. But I ordered it before the you know she had passed, so it was like kind of. I'm sure you can't even get that movie now. But the the Urban Cowboy, that's you can watch that on their streaming service now, and they just added it. So it's kind of funny huh. when you said that because I was literally looking at it last night, and I haven't probably thought about it since the movie came out. You know, yeah, back my, when John Travolta was the man. Yeah, yeah, my uncle, who you know, I've never really cared too much for. He's got he ha- always had kind of an abrasive personality. Some of the things he thought were funny never were funny to me, but. He actually tried to convince my dad to quit the carnival business that summer. He told him he, to the effect, he said, how do you know that being in this movie won't result in you having the money to buy some real rides? You know, this could pay, this could turn into a zipper for you or something to that effect was what he tried to tell my dad at the time. So, uh, you know, quite often we get involved in doing something. We do it so long. We think that, you know, we really can't do anything else or we don't want to. And, and sometimes that's great to continue doing what you're used to. But sometimes by having that tunnel vision, we, we miss some other things that could be just as good, if not better. And, you know, I know for me personally, if, if I was, if I hadn't gotten out of the business when I did, uh, I wouldn't have been able to take care of my physical health. Like I have, um, you know, treating my sleep apnea, having gastric surgery, losing weight, getting a good physical health. Uh, I wouldn't have the joy around my work that I do, uh, now, both as you know, writing and speaking, but also helping other people get exposure for their work by booking them on podcasts like like yours, so they can share their stories and experiences. So, so much has been better for me since I quit being a carnival owner, and uh, I'm glad that I'm actually glad that my cousin at the time uh, put up a he he added some additional games to their midway to the point where my the game I had left could not make enough money to even pay for its own stock. So at one time I used to say, man, you know, he's forcing me off the midway. If, if uh, you know, somebody in my family should do something about this. But then eventually I'm like, you know, he did me a favor because I probably was, you know, I was well overweight and not happy where I was. Who knows what would have happened if I had stayed. So, you in my first book, I actually write about how I'm thankful that he forced me out of the carnival business. And uh, I've I put that out there because he's not the kind of person that I could ever have that conversation with in person. And I doubt he's the kind of person who will ever buy my book, even if somebody tells him to. 
But I think the way I handled it in the book is is a way for me to show forgiveness and, and gratitude in a way where I don't have to worry about what he thinks or expecting him to say. He, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have to wait on him to say I'm sorry for me, for me to be happy and to have put that, you know, chapter of my life in his proper proper perspective. But if he does ever read the book, I think he'll be happy with with uh, how he comes out in the book. And if he doesn't, you know, you can help me raise my legal defense fund. Well, I'm looking at you right now. You know, people don't understand we're we're recording this on Squadcast, and I can see Max, but obviously Max can't see me. Uh, because you know, well, you know, I don't have the camera up, and two, uh, Max is blind. But Max, you, you know, you don't, you you look, you look all right. I mean, you don't look. I mean, you're you're a stocky guy, but I mean, how much were you put? You said you lost a lot of weight. What were you pushing? Um, I I weighed in at five hundred and twelve on February fourteenth wow. of two thousand and twelve, but my brother says that. Uh, if you look at pictures he took in 2010 or 11, it looks like easily 600. And even on six foot four, 600 doesn't work for very long. You know, I'm, uh, I'm starting to have a little bit of pain with my right knee, but I'm very blessed that my body isn't in worse shape than it is considering that I carried around twice. It's, it's, it's normal weight for 30 plus years. So I'm very, you know, very happy. Things could be a lot worse for me as far as, as far as my body, but you know, six four two seventy is not bad. Uh, it's still not ideal according to the BMI chart, but my doctor is is a very uh, sensible person, and he he believes that a a reasonable, maintainable weight is better than an ideal weight you have to struggle with all the time. Well, so when you travel, when you travel like that, it is hard to lose weight because you're. You think it was the travel, or you think maybe you were hitting the cotton candy a little too hard? You know, I was never much on cotton candy. My thing was popcorn. But uh, it, it's just, you know, you, you have an erratic schedule. You don't have access to good food on a regular basis. Your, your schedule as far as your work means quite often you're having to eat while you're working, and that, you know, definitely prevents you from from eating very very healthy. And then, you know, it's – it's difficult to get in regular exercise while you're traveling. Although, you know, some of these people, their their living arrangements now compared to what I was used to is is so much better that I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people are, have have got have got uh, home gyms in their travel trailers now. I mean, some of the things are huge. Some of them oh, are even two stories. They're beautiful, aren't they? I mean, you you pull up and you see the ride set up, and it's like, oh, what is this? A trailer park? I mean, these things, and they look fairly nice. I mean, you know, but you know, it's funny yeah. so that it, well, you were talking about traveling, like, because I drive cross country and I drive as a team and the truck doesn't stop for long. So what I try to do is I try to drive from, I drive three in the afternoon to three in the morning because I want to stop just before the sun comes up because that's when you're at your weakest. Okay. Because yeah, just before the sun comes up, you get tired. So I can, I'll run 12 hours, you know, I mean, with 11 hours of driving, but within that 12 hour period. You know, and I try to wake up at the same time every day. I go to bed at the same time every day. I eat it roughly about the same time every day. And as a truck driver, that's very unusual because, you know, the lifestyle, it's the same kind of erratic lifestyle. But I find if I do that, things are a little bit better for me. And even though every when I'm home, everybody wants to get up at 8 in the morning and go somewhere and I want to go to sleep, I have to, you know, it's just work-wise, it's easier, to be honest with you. 
I prefer to drive the nights because I don't trust anybody to stay awake at night like I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know my co-driver yeah. now, he's a good driver and he, he does fine with it, but I still, you know, over the, I've been doing it for 25 years. So I just like, and I like driving the nights. I like, you know, when the meteor showers hit and, and I like the solitude. I like it when the scales are closed. You know, I like it. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we were yeah. just talking about that. Oh, uh, that reminds me. Um, so I went into the Colorado port, port of entry and they were going to inspect the guy in front of me. And he's a Russian guy. He said, what you want? Do you want to look at my truck? Okay. 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 But I got the beers and the guy's like, well, you know, you're going to need a permit for beers. No, no. I got the beers, you know? So when you go to the trailer, be careful. These are beers. Well, yeah, we'll just open it up and look. You know, you got beer in there. We need that special permit. We're not going anywhere without the permit. Where's this permit? And the and the cops getting all mad. And I and I looked and I went, dude, he's not saying beer. He's saying bears. And, 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 <laughs> and the inspector goes, what? I go, yeah. I said he's saying bears. He's not saying because you know he had that Russian accent. I go, yeah. He's saying he's saying bears. He's not saying beer. I said you said bears, right? Yeah, I say bears. Do you not understand English? I say bears. But it's not like he was saying beer. <laughs> so he had a whole I don't know how many how many bears were in this truck. And the and the cops like, uh you know, um You're gonna need a whole nother kind of permit. Yeah, I think you know, I don't think I'm gonna look inside that trailer. I think we're gonna be okay with that one. And the look at his face was like, you know, because he thought it he thought the guy had beer. And it, I just thought it was so hilarious. You know, and I'm like, yeah, open it up. I was kind of hoping he would inspect it because I wanted to go check it out. <laughs> you know, and I, I wish I, I wish I would have, uh, you know, I guess they, this guy, they imported these bears for some show or something. I wish I would have known what show it was. If I knew it, you probably would know who these guys were. But, you know, I just thought that was so funny. But that was years ago. That was, uh, you know, Colorado's a little, uh, yeah, they're subjective with their rules. Example, they have a new rule. Um, when the winds get a certain high, they put up or Wyoming, Wyoming, they put up a, 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 a light trailer warning. So I went in and I said, Hey, what's a, what's a light trailer? What's the definition of a light trailer? Cause you know, I have all, you know, I have the doubles and all that. And, he, and he's like, well, you know, what we do is you're a professional driver. And so we leave it up to you to decide. And I said, let me, Oh, okay. I get it. If I get blown over, no matter how much weight I have in the trailer, it's a light trailer and I'm screwed. Right. And well, yeah, pretty much. And I go, okay, gotcha. You know, that's their way of not committing to anything, you know? Yeah. But yeah. You know, when they start digging, though, you know, they're looking for low-hanging fruit. Like this last week, Max, there was the, um, and I, I imagine you wouldn't want to be driving this last week. Usually in June or July, they do the big inspection week where they just, it's, you know, they, sh they bring everybody in and they inspect the hell out of them and stuff like that. And if you're pulling through there, you know, cause there's so many trucks, you know, if they see like something hanging off or like a bunch of trash on your dash or something just doesn't look right. They'll pull you in. So you want to make sure that, cause they're looking for a low hanging fruit. They want to give out as many tickets as they can is what it's all about. And with this stuff like your guys got with all that equipment, there's more opportunities for, Oh, you're a half inch over with, you know, so cause you're stick out a little bit or something stupid like that. And they're going to do things that they normally yeah. wouldn't do. Cause they want to write like 50,000 tickets. And they want to beat the guys and, you know, the guys in Georgia want to beat the guys in Texas, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, that they sounds look for like, that sounds like, 
that sounds like the beginning of the season inspection that some states do on carnival rides, like Georgia is famous for it, that uh, end of January into the middle of February, people are getting their equipment inspected. And, you know, the, it's just like you said, they're looking for anything they can find because it's their one chance of the year where they know for sure they're going to get everybody. Oh yeah, I call it uh, I call it low hanging fruit, you know, because they want to they want to get as many in as they can and they want to nail as many as they can, is what it's all about. Yeah, you know, and it it's uh, usually uh, it happens, um, you know, like earlier in the year, but this year with COVID, they kind of decided to put it off because they didn't want to be. I guess they didn't want to get real close to a bunch of guys that are traveling all over the country. <laughs> You know, which with the well, irony that, of it is, is we, we, we don't talk to anybody. We don't see anybody. Well, plus y'all are, for a while, y'all have been considered uh, essential personnel. So they might have felt like uh, we don't want to end up on the news for making it hard on truckers to deliver people's toilet paper. Oh, uh, for the for the audience, I'd like to correct Max's accent. He said it sounded like he said essential. What he meant to say was expendable. <laughs> That's what it feels like. We feel expendable, Max. You My know, brother it, works at Walmart. He's a he's a he's a stalker, so he understands exactly what you're talking about. Even if he doesn't leave the house to do, even even if he does work here in Conroe instead of traveling all across the country. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's been uh, very opinionated on essential workers versus non-essential workers versus uh, those people getting the additional unemployment benefits. So we try not to have that conversation in our house. But yeah, it is basically taking the attitude that y'all's lives are not as valuable as our dinner. Well, the nice thing about us, though, is that, you know, as a sleeper team guy, I really don't interact with a lot of people. You know, yeah. this is, you know, I just, I don't, I see people at a distance, but I really don't interact with them. That's why I'm so shy. And that's why I do this podcast. So I could practice talking to people because I'm so shy and I'm, and I'm not good at talking to people. Well, we've been talking since one thirty, so I think you're doing pretty good at it. See, it's, see, see, that's it. You're an entertainer. So it's been easy to talk to you because you're bringing it out of me. Otherwise I'm very shy. That's why I started the podcast because I'm very shy. Nobody believes that, Max. <laughs> well, I, I believe I, I believe it because I've 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 uh, I've listened to enough performers talk, and quite often, the the greatest uh, entertainers are people that they have to they have to psych themselves up. Some of them have to take drugs, but they find a way to perform for you for that five minutes or 30 minutes or three hours. And then when it's over, they go and hide again. No, I talk too much all the time. That's my wife. <laughs> that, in fact, that's how well, I met her. We were, we were in a break room. She used to be a dispatcher for me. And, uh, you know, cause you, I'm sure it's the same with you. You, you meet people in your industry because you don't see anybody else and where they don't understand what it is you go through. So she was in the break room and I had a child support hearing the next day. And uh, I said, uh, hey, uh, would you like to go out to dinner? And she's like, uh, well, no. Because, you know, every guy in the world's hitting on her. Because this is, you know, I used to work for Schneider back in the day. I don't work there anymore. And it was a huge trucking company. And everybody's hitting on her. And she goes, no. And I go, well, I said, look, I got a child support hearing tomorrow. They're going to take away every dime I got. I said, yeah, I want to go out to dinner. You know, you want to help me? Pretend like I'm not going to be broke for the rest of my life. 
And she goes, what? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, you know, I said, you look like a lobster kind of girl. Let's go out to dinner. Come on. I said, I just want to take you out to dinner. That's it. Yeah, we've been together since for 22 years now. That's it. And Man, I met you, that too. The most, that's the most unique. That's the most unique first line I've ever heard. But I guess it's true what they say. Always go with honesty. Well, it was true. The thing was, is that, you know, she knew how much I made because she was a dispatcher there. And two, they literally were going to nail me to the wall with a child support hearing the next day. That's why I was sitting there in the break room because I had to go. And I just figured, you know, what do I got to lose? If you don't ask, like you were saying earlier, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. If You know, the yeah. only thing, if you, the only regret you're going to have as a human being is if you don't explore something. You know, if you, if you go for it and it just doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But if you didn't go for it, maybe it would have would have been something. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a woman who read tests for me in my third year in college in Corpus Christi, who I have, who I actually saw again a year and a half later at a different location. And even now I'm like, man, that's one of those you should have followed up on, you know? So it, it does really come down to you. If you don't ask, the, if you don't ask, they can't say yes, which means if you don't ask, the only person you have to blame for those experiences not happening is you. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it just kind of worked out for me. And, and quite honestly, if I didn't do it the way I did it, you know, and I didn't, it wasn't like something I, I was just, I was just literally just making it up as I was going. But if I would have planned on it or tried to do some extravagant thing, I would have, it would have been stupid and it wouldn't have worked out. But I threw her off balance. And throwing her off balance, you know, throwing people off balance is, is, and making them have to think about what you're actually saying versus being prepared because they're ready for the, the, the things they're ready for. If you throw them off balance, then they're like, and they got to think, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Well, you, know, you know what I mean? Well, I'm here to now, I'm here. I'm here to tell you. Thirteen years later, very little of, that I have done has been stuff that I planned to do since since uh, starting my first website. And uh, you know, you're talking about uh, surprising people or, or having things they don't expect. Um, down here in the, along the Gulf Coast, we have hurricanes, and it's been what is it, ten years or eleven years now since Katrina came through and pretty much destroyed New Orleans. And after that hurricane came through, FEMA was, you know, just a terrible performance from FEMA. It was some of the worst uh, that you could ask for out of a out of your federal government to help the people in New Orleans recover. And I remember saying to my brother Patrick at the time, I said, you know, Patrick, if if the terrorists had bombed New Orleans, we would have been ready for that. But we were not ready for a hurricane. 